All right, we are live. I'm here with Ramond Binlish from Blockstart and also Andrew Bryan from VigorDAC, two legends in the EOSIO ecosystem and also two participants in the DAP Network Hackathon that uh, we had the final ceremony last Sunday. It's not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. Ramond's team came in second place. Uh, I, the prize was $7,500 plus 250,000 DAP tokens. And then the Vigorous team, I, I don't know if it was even announced publicly, but they came in fourth place. It was literally uh, a, a super, super close uh, decision. And I, I wasn't on the judging call. I was running the live stream, but uh, from what I heard, it was a very, very tough decision. Um, but I usually don't do introductions on the show whenever I have legends. But I, I think it's a good time to introduce everyone. Uh, Ramon, why don't we start with you? Who is Ramon Binlish and what is Blockstart? All right, so I think uh, most of uh, people on everything you asked know me from uh, <laughs> uh, much before on everything, uh, I think investing with the difference, uh, the community part, which I used to do. So it's a good time. I think maybe we should talk about Blockstart a little more. So Blockstart is an accelerator for dApps. Uh, we are heavily invested in uh, helping uh, like from uh, development side as well as uh, from consultancy investments and so on from uh, into, into decentralized applications. Um, so Blockstart and in general, I think our goal is to help uh, this new economy of decentralized applications. And uh, we have uh, been working on this for the last one and a half year. And uh, yeah, we are pretty excited about Liquid Apps, as you can see in my shirt. <laughs> so uh, we do have a DSP node. I think right now we are, I think, one of the top DSP nodes in Liquid Apps, uh, being the uh, highest uh, amount of DAP tech on staked. We have a lease service on DSP. So a lot of things we are trying to do which, because we, we are pretty excited about uh, this technology in general. And you, you brought a team of heavy hitters with you too. I noticed uh, a lot of those names. Just shout out to Adi and Prasant. And I, I bet the other guys in your team who, who I'm not as familiar with are also pretty legendary developers. Uh, and as far as legendary developers, the Vigor team has a stacked team of devs of our own. Uh, Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, your background, Vigor, Stablecoin, Vigor DAC, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the hackathon cool. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, at first it's cool to be on the show because, you know, you guys have been talking about Stablecoins like for a long time, more than a year now, uh, or more than that. Uh, but anyhow, that's uh, just a plug for you guys. You know, we, we're on the same wavelength there with, you know, the idea of stablecoins. So Dan being the father of stablecoins, basically, uh, it's a big, happy family. Well, kind of happy. So anyway, uh, my background, yeah, I'm just like a quantitative developer. Uh, been on different Wall Street firms, um, some on the sell side, investment banks, some on the buy side. Um, was a fly on the wall in a couple of like crazy places at crazy times, you know. Um, Harvard Management Company during the crisis um, was at MakerDAO, switched to uh, the idea of like how cool blockchain is, you know, and uh, helped out the MakerDAO team before they were, their, their die was released, you know, on the side stablecoin even. Um, so yeah, just a background in financial mathematics, that's what I like to do. And, um, you know, I think, uh, having EOS being born, you know, um, it's just a nice, uh, a nice time and a nice place to build out some quantitative finance tools. So 
that's me. Man, you're, you're really underselling yourself here, man. You're like a quant genius. Like, no, aren't, are you like a Harvard grad or some, some Harvard endowment? Yeah, I worked for the Harvard <laughs> endowment. I was there during the crisis, you know, and we watched some crazy, uh, some crazy trades, you know, some crazy, uh, like, yeah, it just, it's just, yeah, you'd have mm -hmm. to, we'd have to have a discussion sometime on this. I, I don't want to swear on your show. So I'll just. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically you live through the worst and I, I guess we can get into liquid risk. I think we were going to start with uh, Ramon's project. Maybe we should start with liquid risk because I, I think it's a good segue into that. Um, so Vigor is a DAC. It's also a stable coin project. Uh, several members of the DAC, and even I think some of the people helping out were even some non-members, weren't there? Some of them. Uh, yeah, one guy, Rick Tobacco, was on our on our liquid risk team for the hackathon, and so Rick Tobacco is a cool guy. He did the presentation. You, you'll recognize his face from that. Um, yeah. He actually was helping us early on in the uh, in writing the code for uh, Vigor. So uh, he's been around for a long time, but you know how devs are; they're kind of mm -hmm. like other stuff to do maybe and then stuck under nda and have to be like you know uh why, why don't we call out all the dac members so i mean a dac is similar to to block producers in a way where where you have custodians who kind yeah. of manage the multi-sigs and we want to give votes to the people that are adding the most value to the dac so why don't you call out all of the dac candidates and custodians that that were on the team yeah well you know outside of the so so just you know there's a lot of custodians that are 21 and it's, there's quite a lot of like fluid turnover, like some fallout when they get sort of busy on something and then they'll get voted back in when they start doing stuff and people recognize that. Um, you and, uh, and Ramon are actually both, or at worst some t one time, you know, a custodian voted up there. So, I mean, it's cool to, uh, to check it out and vote for the people that you think are going to help out really because it's it's the custodians that are building it like it's not a done project it's just got to be built uh mm -hmm. by the actual custodians so i think the people from my side on the dev side vote for prc he's a good guy uh ik is working with me on um smart contract his, his name is palm cornelio um and then See Michael, right? This guy, he's doing the front end. He's good. Rayleigh's doing the website. Uh, this guy, Gartox, wants to help out on the front end. I would vote for him. Um, I have a preference to vote for devs, I guess. So Of course. Uh, I think that that's the most important thing with a, a project, like for any project. Like talk to any any team right now and ask them what, what their number one need is, and it's going to be developers. Uh, that goes for, for block one, that goes for everybody. Um, so what, what was the liquid risk project uh, for those who, who missed the hackathon? And yeah, it's, uh, it's just taking a look, a, a good deep hard look at the DAP network tools, you know, um, you know, developing a smart contract, you, you know, you feel, um, you know, constrained and trapped inside of a small box of like 30 milliseconds in a small piece of RAM. Um, when I, I don't know if in the future that's the way it needs to be, you know, like in quantitative finance, we have big libraries, these risk engines and pricing engines. And uh, it's not really amenable to like, you know, import large libraries and do long running calculations, which I would love to friggin do, believe me. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So for, for our stablecoin, for example, basically we want to do a stress test on the portfolio, like often, you know, like continuously. So there's a measure of risk and you can, you can observe the risk in the system and, and use that for stuff like autonomously make choices, right? Smart contract can run different stuff. And so with that network, the liquid risk idea was to build like Monte Carlo, uh, like risk engine, uh, using a liquid oracle so basically all the calculations would be done you know on a dsp so you'd have maybe multiple dsps running this like monte carlo simulation to get the risk and you know then you collect all the results and you can i guess compare you know validate whatever you do and then um access that risk number from your smart contract right so it can run for i suppose however long you want it to run for um i mean you don't want it to run for hours for us like but a couple of minutes or something or a minute or 10 seconds or whatever was what we were sort of looking at. So yeah, the idea was basically, let's just pick like a standard, like uh, risk measure that you calculate with Monte Carlo um, standard simulation techniques and, you know, use the DAP network tools. We used liquid Oracle um, and we used Zeus, which is a test framework and you unbox stuff and you can run, you know, all of your, um, your tests, like to, to, you know, have, have this like unit testing framework and all that, which is pretty cool. And so it was a really good exposure for our team. That was, I should probably mention, I only mention the team members on that. Right. So why am, uh, vote for him too. I forgot he's, he's a custodian too. Wow. He's going to kick my head. Uh, so yeah. So why was on our team. He's like, uh, I think his name's DeFi tech something. So. Yeah. DeFi tech, uh, Rick tobacco, uh, IK, PRC, and I think that's it. So yeah, we'll, we'll put we'll put something in the chat too. There's probably a bunch of people watching, so they can call them out. Um, okay, so what I thought was cool was that li Liquid uh, Risk was actually a DSP service. So yeah. e even though uh, you got like the tool was being built for the Vigor Stablecoin project. Uh, moving forward, uh, as this goes into production, this DSP service could potentially be used on Ethereum or other chains. So a, a project like MakerDAO or Compound could potentially use the, the liquid risk service to uh, manage their, their risk better. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree because, you know, there's, you know, there, there's like a, a, you can consider like a standard library uh, an open source sort of standard library like Quantlib, for, for example. Like if you exposed Quantlib through Liquid Oracles on different like DSPs, I mean, it would be attractive. Just for as an example, like, yeah, you could do Monte Carlo, but you could also do like uh, nonlinear programming stuff where it's like decision making, right? So you have like a, you have like a, um, an objective function that you want to minimize or maximize, you know, subject to some constraints or whatever, they have these optimizers and there's no way in heck you're going to run optimizers on chain. Just like, it's just, they're numerical techniques and they take long to run. Same thing with Monte Carlo. And so like, yeah, if you had like Quantlib exposed, you could expose like all kinds of libraries, you know, um, you, you know, now there's general libraries like that, but of course, if somebody wants to use it, there's a layer of customization that would need to be done. And mm -hmm. I guess each project that would want such a service would have to like write their own custom tools against the library. Um, 
and you could probably help out or write examples if you're into that. You know, you could support uh, customers in that way. So yeah, I, yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely think it could be a service. There, there was a um, a project that submitted that missed some criteria, so they didn't make the finals. It was called Liquid Share, and their idea was to basically separate the service developers from the service providers to create like almost like a a revenue share between a service developer and a DSP. So I hope that idea gets fleshed out a little bit further because uh, things like liquid liquid risk get very interesting. We have Ramon here who has a DSP and he offers DSP services to, to his clientele's building dApps. Uh, a project like Vigor might not have a DSP, but you might have developed this, this service. And uh, with a project like liquid share it would kind of give you a revenue model that you could work with a, a dsp like ramon on that so I, I i thought that was interesting and i i kind of need to see them flesh this out more but i would like to have them talk about their project the only reason i know so much about it was because they were at the israel on-site uh in tel aviv so i was able to like interact with them and actually saw their pitch that they never actually submitted and that's also how i met uh I already met him before, but Rick Tobacco was there, and so was YM. So it was cool getting to hang out with them. Um, did, Ramon, you probably didn't look at all the submissions that didn't make the finals, did you? No, um, and I don't think I have all the details. But just to highlight, uh, like being a DSP, people are not realizing uh, the what is possible with this uh, liquid app services because it's not like block producers, where you have a defined agenda what you need to do. It's like it's pretty much flexible. So as you said, if, for example, if Vigor wants to launch a service, even today with Blockstar DSP, we can host a service and we can monetize it. So as you know, we have already have a lease service. We, we started where you can, uh, like right now, unfortunately, only we are offering, like as a Blockstar DSP, we are offering that uh, lease uh, tokens to the dApps. But uh, the framework we have designed is pretty, pretty much like Rex. So I'm actually personally a big fan of Rex as a solution because it was... Uh, creating a marketplace of leasing and renting, it's very difficult to find the exact match. So what Rex provides you is a way to create a pool where you can take it from. So we you know, got inspired from that and that's what we did uh, define in Blockstar DSP lease service. So now if let's say another DAP wants to use a, a totally different service, you can still host that using the lease service we have and uh, stake towards another package. Uh, which is uh, probably hosted on Blockstar DSP, but provided by Vigor or anybody else. So the potential on this uh, framework, the liquid framework is amazing because it's pretty much customized services we are talking about. And uh, these are almost like your agreement, the business agreements you do when you go and uh, look for services, you can define your cost structure, you can define your uh, uh, fee models and uh, everything can be coded uh, in this layer, in the layer two. And that's the fun of working in layer two where you are not bound by the protocol layer consensus. You're not bound by a lot more, like, you know, as we say, code is the <laughs> yeah, the main thing. Like, you know, everything has to be done by the code. We can always customize it, define very, very specific uh, use cases. So that's, I think, a uh, very, very powerful uh, feature of Liquid Apps as a layer two solution. All right. I, I... I didn't know you had all this stuff going on at Blockstar. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta <laughs> talk more often. Um, before we kick off, um, what what your project was? I don't, I don't. Even, what was it called? So the EOS resource lending on centralized exchange. It okay. doesn't have a. It doesn't have a, a, a sweet fancy <laughs> yeah. marketable name here. 
but uh, I, I have to share my screen here in a second. I'll, yeah, I'll share my screen now because Ramon, you're one of you might have been the first person to pitch. I'm not sure, but yeah. uh, it was. Uh, I don't want to give it away. So you're on here with your pitch, and like we we saw you on the the small window here in the corner, and I, I couldn't really <laughs> I had a lot going on, so I couldn't really tell. I was like, is he in a car? <laughs> is he really in a car pitching right now? And yes, yes, you were in a car pitching. You're here. You have Greg Lee, VP of Engineering from Block One, Crystal Rose uh, of Sense Chat. We have Brock Pierce on the call. And Ramon is like a boss, just tucked in like the corner of his car <laughs> on his laptop, giving a live hackathon pitch. And he walked away with second place. So I, I just had to share that for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. And I guess uh, I'll let you have the floor from here. <laughs> I think it's more about uh, the hustle, right? And it's a it's a weekend. You have a family, kids, uh, all the responsibilities, and of course, the hackathon going on. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was uh, uh, interesting. I was just hoping that my connection stays uh, while I'm presenting. Most of my team is in Asian time zone, and they were like beyond midnight. So, it has only up to me <laughs> to present and make sure that uh, we can get it through. Uh, but yeah, I think it was fun. Um, it was surprising that when we got uh, as a first uh, presentation, like I was not expecting uh, me to be ready for presenting immediately as uh, the results were being announced. Um, but yeah, I think we got some time to set up my hotspot while you were fumbling on the live show. <laughs> yeah, we, we, had all, we had all kinds of issues going into it, but once we got going, uh, we, we kept up the momentum. That was one of the most stressful uh, experiences. We, we were... At the, we had the on-site hackathon, we got like maybe two or three hours of sleep and then it was just like, go, go, go all day. And that was like, I think we, the hackathon final started at like 11.30 PM is real time. But like for my body, it, I was just like in a weird, weird place with time zone that I thought I was in, but uh, it, it was a fun ride. Um, yeah. So what, what was the EOS resource lending on central exchange project? All right. Yeah, so I think this was uh, this is one of the topics which is uh, pretty close to my heart. By the way, we are now trying to give it a cool name. Uh, we are calling it Sex, sex uh, to Rex, so C E X. It is Sex just, to, just to It sounds better verbally. I like to hear it. Sex to Rex. <laughs> uh, so basically, centralized exchanges to Rex. So we are trying to see like uh, it's a real problem out there, right? When we say DeFi, it's Rex. As I told you, I'm a big fan of uh, Rex. Uh, resource exchange. It's a pretty good like uh, model to use a utility, which is like CPU and net. You are able to lease out from the market and you don't have to go to a marketplace. Like we did have Chintai uh, we, as dApps. It was a great service even before Rex came out, but uh, it was not easy. Like uh, every time your, your lease runs out, you have to go to the marketplace and wait. And as dApps, we are running 24 hours uh, all the time. You cannot just keep uh, you know waiting for your order to be filled. So Rex gives you that opportunity and it's a, it's a perfect model uh, to go and lease out resources for dApps. Then as you can see, we, what happened in November. So this was pretty hot in our heads, like what was happening, like Rex was locked up, there was no liquidity. So when this uh, hackathon ideas uh, discussion came about in our team, we said, okay, there's a DeFi theme. Uh, Rex we believe is one of the biggest DeFi right now and we need to do something about it. And um, then we said, okay, we can try to maybe aim higher and see whether we can solve the liquidity issue on Rex. And then, in a, as you know, being part of community, we always have this EOS Gov and a lot of 
channels where there is a lot of drama going on <laughs> so we uh, i did uh, participate in some of the discussions and uh, the keep these facts keep coming that the centralized exchanges hold most of the tokens like more than 50% of the eos supply is held by centralized exchanges how that is impacting governance how that is impacting liquidity on racks so that that triggered us into like let's have fun in this hackathon and see if we can build a solution uh, which can uh, go and solve issues which are really close to the heart of your community and as well as uh, uh, provide uh, some sort of uh, you know demonstration of what liquid apps can do and uh, we we are pretty excited about all these features of like liquid accounts where you don't really need to have wallets you can uh, uh, actually enable any app to give on chain accounts without uh, and that this, this is the biggest reason why why do people keep their tokens in centralized exchanges because they want uh, they don't want to play around with wallets they are not comfortable with it people are still used to their usual login passwords and uh, how do you you know immediately access your tokens from any machine without like right now all of us who are in crypto we know that oh, we have this particular uh, pc or a mobile which has my keys all these things are actually cumbersome if you think from an average user point of view it's not easy for them to go and uh, maintain their wallets uh, keep their keys secure so i don't think the centralized exchanges are going away they are play they play a big role in providing liquidity they provide uh, good services uh, for bringing average token holder into the mix but we thought that we can bridge the gap by using liquid accounts and using vram uh, to provide this liquidity which is almost like 500 million tokens or maybe more i think those are just estimates uh, i don't think anybody knows for real how many tokens are there in centralized exchanges and we wanted to bring that to rex uh, have you got any feedback since then? I know th this project was kind of talked about a while ago. I think you may have brought it up as an idea whenever you're on here the one time with Michael Gucci and uh, EOS Nation, but obviously you didn't build it out at the time. Um, over all those like weeks or months or whatever it was talking about it and then actually building it, have you gotten some DMs or people that are actually interested in incorporating this or is it more of a, uh, us cheerleaders from the stands saying this is a great idea, but then none of the exchanges actually asking for it. What, what are you seeing right now? See, um, the thing is, uh, there are two pieces to it. One is the whether the technology can do it. Our goal was to demonstrate that yes, technology is there. Uh, we have a proof of concept. Uh, uh, what we have done is we have put everything in open source. Uh, so our GitHub uh, was completely open source. Anybody can go and have a look at it and deploy it. And we are more than happy to continue this project and integrate. Uh, whether there is interest, I'm hearing some whispers. I would say, but it's too early to say it's it's mm -hmm. it is, it's a big deal, right? Means for exchanges to enable it. What I would like to say is that uh, the staking economy is just starting in crypto world. If you see that uh, recently, Coinbase announced that uh, they are going to be allowing Tezos uh, staking. Then you are talking about uh, Ethereum coming to like Ethereum staking coming next year. Uh, very soon. So there, there will be some really big announcements around staking, which will happen. So EOS has been the staking economy maybe much earlier than wider crypto world. So probably there is not enough education also in that side of the businesses. I would say this thing is just starting. And uh, by demonstrating, we believe that we have just given a, like a seed of an idea to the community, to people who uh, will go and probably consider this for future. Um, I'm definitely uh, interested in taking it forward, and I would lo love to hear uh, other people, like if they can connect us to exchanges. Um, of course, there is always skepticism around uh, 
exchanges do not want to uh, enable the token holders and they may want to control um, as mm. a block producers and uh, so there's always uh, there is uh, that skepticism but remember um, ultimately it's a business for them so for exchanges if they can differentiate by enabling certain features like uh, providing re- like this kind of rewards where they can create a marketplace as well as uh, potential to vote uh, they are put, they are actually they may actually gain more business. They can get more EOS token holders who will uh, come to them and use their exchange services. So it's a good business case. It's not just uh, for the good of community. It can probably be a very good uh, kind of differentiator for an exchange. So I would say there's definitely a hope that uh, this uh, can gain traction, uh, but still it is early days. I would say. So. I like how you describe it as like unlocking uh, the DeFi potential with EOS. So you could actually earn from things like Rex while being on a centralized exchange. Um, I guess this question's for Andrew. What what does what's what's unique about EOS that that stood out to you originally and, and still shines brightly today? That kind of uh, sets it apart as being like a DeFi powerhouse. Right. I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> there's some things right out of the box, like the the multi-sig stuff. Um, you know, the way that accounts are are managed and all that is pretty cool. Um, whenever, whenever, whenever I first uh, got found out about uh, Vigor at the time, it was like US, USD still. I remember like, and it was a couple months still before Rex, but. At the time, we didn't really know what the APR on Rex might be. And we, we still don't really know long-term what it would be. But I, in my mind, I thought, okay, maybe let's say 5% APR on Rex. So if you create a collateralized debt position against EOS that was staked to Rex and earning that APR, it, it was almost like self-collateralizing itself. So I think that is, is super interesting to me. And I want to see see like that developed out further or if there's other opportunities in the future be beyond Rex that this could happen on um i i, I think there, there there could be even more done with, with uh using the virtual account systems like as a starting point like roman was mentioning uh for these centralized exchanges like a, a project like MakerDAO or like vigor or or like eosdt like they could potentially in, integrate with it exchanges as almost like a third-party plugin if it was trusted enough to, to be done like that. Um, what what do you uh, what stands out to you, Ramon, besides Rex that that kind of ma- makes EOS unique, and what what does DAP Network do to kind of unlock it further for you? Sure, I think uh, EOS uh, for me is uh, all about scalability, right? Because there is always a debate around how decentralized centralized uh, EOS is and how the governance is working and so on. Ultimately, it's about creating a business, creating a uh, scalable business. That's what uh, matters in the end. Uh, there's always a trade-off. I think Dan, when he introduced EOS, he always said there's always a trade-off. Right? And there you're saying that uh, either you can be fully decentralized or you can be, you can scale. It's you should have enough uh, uh, censorship resistance, uh, and you should. That's probably a good use case. Maybe we will never run money on EOS that much, other than like for example, what Vigor is doing. Vigor is a great example. Uh, and that's what got got me gets me excited. Like EOS has a platform which can run uh, something like Vigor, which is like a big need in crypto world. Like stablecoins are needed for almost every project. Uh, whether like we have a lot of other projects in motion in the block start, like which are e-commerce or 
There are a lot of other uh, like decentralized applications which need money interfaces uh, into smart contracts. There is no way we can live without stable coins. So EOS is one platform which can run smart contracts. It can run DeFi. It can run stable coins. Uh, so that is, I think, what is the scalability of uh, EOS IO and EOS as a platform. Uh, plus, I think uh, the vision, which is about running like you know IBCs, parallel uh, you know like multi-chain uh, as well as multi-threaded operations, the way architecturally EOS is designed to, in future, continuously scale and uh, keep growing uh, the bar. And then now that Liquid Apps is available to even provide business models across you know uh, the layer two where you can customize, you're not tied to the protocol level features, you are also able to generate uh, new and newer services. So I think that is what would attract people towards EOS. It's, uh, the protocol itself, maybe it has limitations, but the community, what they are, we are building, like what we Liquid Apps has built as layer two, what uh, uh, apps are building um, and uh, the kind of services which are going to merge into each other. Like we will have stable coins we will have uh, already dax i think eos is the only platform which is running dax like when we talk about people say oh why did i join rigor as a candidate one of the reason was i just love the ideas of dac i was uh, one of the candidates in eos dac uh, but uh, i don't think i could do much there because eos dac is very limited in what uh, members can do uh, because it's still a separated operation as bp and members are mostly doing m6 uh, uh, while means I don't want to downplay what they established, what I'm trying to say is, and they are, I think, biggest in contributor in enabling other DAX on like Vigor. Uh, but I think still there was limited uh, operations or limited contribution a DAC member could do as a custodian. And uh, I was, by the way, custodian for a few months uh, on EOS DAC as well. And now when I come to Vigor, I think the evolution of DAX, I can see what is happening on EOS is amazing because now I'm seeing people building being custodians, being candidates, they are actually developing. Uh, and uh, it, of course, these models always have to evolve and they cannot, we can always do better. Uh, but overall, what I see is that EOS has everything. Like we talk about individual projects, which are multi-billion dollar valuation in crypto world uh, separately, like either they're trying to do uh, just a stable coin or just DeFi, or they're trying to do a smart contract platform, or they're trying to do DAX or whatever. Uh, but EOS is a one ecosystem which has everything. And once we, all, like in the, in the great community, uh, what I would say is that once this all comes together, finally, uh, when all these things mature and they are ready for production, uh, then we will realize the power of EOS as a platform. At this moment, yes, everybody is in development stage. I don't think we are done yet. Either scaling or developing uh, that layer two and uh, uh, apps on EOS. And that's why it looks pretty much... Uh, kind of difficult to uh, value it in the sense of what this can enable. Yeah, I, I listened to, I don't know if either of you guys did, on Laura Shin, she had uh, someone from MakerDAO and someone from an, another DAO that I probably heard, haven't heard of. And it, it's they're describing the tools that they have. And it was like, they're just describing like the concept of a working group as if like they hadn't like figured out a way to like, organized that yet like simple stuff like that just simple organization like DAC aside you, you should know how to organize as people and I, I've been very impressed also with with the EOS DAC portal um, Andrew one of the very first conversations we had when you were describing like what made uh, Vigor so unique at the it still is but at the time back in like March you, you were talking about how you, you knew that it was going to require DAC from, from your past experience and just 
the way uh, the Genesis members envisioned this. Uh, before you kind of got your hands dirty in all of the, the DAC deployment and organization, uh, what, what were your thoughts coming from an Ethereum DAO uh, over to EOS and launching uh, with the Genesis members, the DAC? Uh, was it better than you thought it would be? Easier, harder, or how, how, did, how was that? Yeah, I, I go with what Michael Yeach says. It's like a, it's a pioneer tax that you're paying as you build these tools. But it, it was, you know, it, it worked. I mean, we, we were able to uh, deploy a DAC and get it started. And, uh, you know, coming from like another project, you said like on Ethereum, for example, you know, I, I watched like a team of people who are kind of decentralized or whatnot start to get more organized over time. And then suddenly it's like a hierarchy with CEO and all this stuff. And it's just like, becomes corp, you know, and it's like, I don't know, it, you know, it just, you know, it's, it's not something that I envisioned for, you know, having an open source project, you know, that can, what I always say is like crypto basically unlocks the power of open source because it's a, it's a self-financing mechanism there. And in order to uh, organize people like this, uh, the DAC sort of thing is is a good fit because it just uh, allows people to contribute as they like and they can fall out and come back in. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there's always this thing about people are like, hey, we're going to start out, start out centralized and then over time we'll decentralize. And I've seen that just like fail. It's just like the worst thing to say because it doesn't happen. You know, it's like, so we wanted to start out as, you know, as a DAC and hopefully it doesn't, fall apart and we become again some corporation you know that would be my worst thing so as i'm a corp just like call me up and say <laughs> you know i i i i shared a story of, of ramon about him doing the live pitch from his car andrew you also have a legendary story i would like to share and it involves the the, the non-concentration of power in the deck i heard that you fired or suggested to fire your own brother. Well, we did actually. He's yeah, he's <laughs> fired that guy. He's yeah, I mean, you know how it is. Maybe there's some sibling rivalry going on, but I don't think so. It was more like he's a lawyer and he was working on some intellectual property parts of it. And uh yeah, he started to just like not be present on the telegrams. He was doing some of the intellectual property stuff still, but then I don't know. It just struck me as like not very like good not to be present. You know, it's like that with the DAC. So, you know, you can, so we, we've made a proposal, he gets fired and people, when there's a proposal up to be fired, you can defend yourself, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it takes 11 out of 21 votes and it takes a while for that to happen. So you have plenty of time to, to you know, and so, yeah, if, if a person doesn't defend, then yeah, they just eventually just click on execute and they're freaking fired. <laughs> I, I think that's a great story though. Like that kind of just kind of shows like, like the character of the DAC to just, that's what you did. I mean, the, the, the rule of the custodians, I, I feel like personally, I, I think data junkie got me started on this, but my, I, I feel like my rule as a custodian is to find my replacement. Like once I get replaced and everything's better than when I, I was up there, I did my job. I, I feel like 
even even since I got more involved with the project, I feel like the the talent just kind of got stacked. It's like a, a legends, the top thirty. Uh, Ramon, when 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 did you join? You joined a, like a week after me or a couple weeks after me. I can't remember. And what what yeah, kind of yeah. led to that decision? I think it was just uh, as I mentioned to a lot of people, right? Means uh, I was in fact uh, I heard about Vigor, uh, but I just didn't have time to look into it. Uh, and then I think uh, I, as I uh, keep working with DApps, I realized that uh, we do need a more community-driven stable coin. So I've been working with many other stable coin projects in EOS, and uh, I just couldn't find the transparency, the kind of you know a very open-source kind of framework. And when I heard about Vigor, I just uh, and I actually got time to look into it. I think I definitely wanted to participate. And um, as I said at that time, I'm a big believer in DAX. I'm a big believer in uh, this uh, DeFi solutions like this, what Vigor is trying to achieve. Uh, it's a matter of like, and when I, I think it was a matter of when the EOS radio show came out and I managed to catch a glimpse of uh, a little bit about like, what Andrew's vision is and just the team itself uh, getting a little bit of introduction. Then I realized that yes, uh, there are serious people behind it and uh, I should have a look. And I think then that's when I decided to join. That, that was kind of my, like, I, I caught the project really early on. I actually met Andrew at the, was at the World Expo back in April. Yeah. And I think, was Rick, Rick Tobacco was with you back then? Yeah. I remember that. Uh, and then Equilibrium launched. And then I started with Liquid Apps and got super busy. And I, I would, I would kind of see what was going on with, with the DAC throughout like the B1 June and through the summer. And on the surface, if, if you don't really peel back the onion, you don't really see what's going on. Uh, like you have to actually join like deeper into like the working groups and the, especially like the Vigor dev group. And then like there's a Vigor legal group and you, you see like who the worker bees are in, in this DAC and who's actually putting in a, a lot of organization, a lot of effort toward, towards achieving uh, the goals outlined. And I think once I started noticing that, I, I definitely wanted to jump in like head first. Um, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do over the last couple of weeks uh, with everything EOS is just saying like, this is a legit project. If you want to contribute to an open source tool that, that, that could be used by a lot of people and could unlock a lot of hidden liquidity, essentially, like you could join, like it's not necessarily a full-time thing. It could be a couple hours a week, it could be whatever you could offer, whatever your superpower is, something that's easy for you. Something might take you or take me 10 minutes that would take someone else several hours. That's, that's how you know you have a superpower whenever you have a situation like that. And that, that's kind of what we're looking for is like, what is your superpower? Come, come let us know and like, we'll hopefully uh, show you value back as a candidate or a potential custodian. Um, so, so I guess that's my pitch. I said uh, we have the legal working group. You, you both have a lot of experience dealing with legal. Uh, legal is one of the biggest landmines in this space. It's, it's the cost of being on the cutting stuff that regulations can't keep up with. Um, what, what's uh, been your biggest surprise dealing with legal and what's your outlook moving forward? Are you optimistic about it or, or kind of pessimistic about it kind of uh, being reasonable? You could answer whatever you want, actually, whoever wants to start. So if you're waiting for my answer, I would say it's, uh, a, yeah. it's a new world. So it's a new world, right? Means, uh, uh, as I, I, as you said, rightly, right? Anything you do, 
uh, in crypto world, or let's me not call crypto because it's uh, kind of seen as a little low end world <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Like I would say, crypto sometimes seen negatively. Um, but let's say blockchain world, even if you're a legit legit project, um, it becomes challenging because of all that happened in last couple of years, uh, or maybe two years back, 2017 ICO craze. Uh, as we all know, uh, so and especially being in US, uh, you see a little more strictness around it because we are all scared of uh, uh, how the regulatory bodies love to make an example out of you if you are successful. So it's a it's a very difficult position to be in if you are making a legitimate project and if you are hoping you are successful, uh, you know that you have a target on your head. So you need to be careful right, right away. And uh, that's where I think uh, even in Blockstart, I think was, uh, some of my early partners are all <laughs> legal background. Um, like I think uh, many people have met um, Nico, who is my partner in Blockstart, uh, who is actually also was there in B1 June. And, uh, and we, that's how we started, right? You cannot start any blockchain project, especially being in US. And if you want to be following the law of the land, you do want a legal guidance. And it's definitely not clear here. It's definitely not defined on how one should go about doing things. There are gray areas. Um, and as uh, my partner tells me, it's always about uh, maintaining faith, trying to do things in the right way. Uh, make sure that uh, you are defining the rules and the whole process, which uh, is not scammy. And uh, as long as you do the right things, there's a good chance you can defend yourself. That's the model we are going with. Uh, in block start and i think that's what i have been also talking about in bigger legal channels uh, it's not easy um, uh, to comply with uh, everything because the rules are not written you are uh, kind of uh, interpreting the existing law for something which uh, is not even regulated right now so for something which is not even uh, not, not we don't a know what that... for this I'll just, yeah, so I'll just chime in sorry did i cut you off you can keep cut sure go ahead no go ahead please. okay yeah, no, I'll just chime in with three comments. Like for for us, I, I'm still bullish on the uh, the crypto backed stablecoin. It's it's not a fiat backed stablecoin. I'll just make that clear. Uh, we don't touch fiat right now in any way. Um, we want to like you know follow the, the law of the land, whatever whatever those laws are, and we have what we think is good legal representation to do that. Uh, one other thing is we have not done any token sales. You know. And that, I think that's a big thing. Um, we don't plan to do one now. I mean, there were times we were thinking different ways of of capitalizing the project or something, but uh, we've not done a token sale, right? And we don't touch fiat. And it, to this point, really, no one's really put a lot of, uh, you know, capital into the project. It, this project, Vigor, never started with like a seed, like a, you know, a seed capital, whether investors or anybody that we owe anything to. So it's kind of like, at this point, wherever the community that's building it wants to go with it, it's going to go. And there's a legal team and they're looking at the regular regulatory landscape. At this point, they just wanna go offshore and try to not, you know, have any real, um, you know, offerings of any kind to any U.S. citizen, really, and, and even to the point probably blocking them off the platform, not the DAC, because that's just a building platform. Anybody can, any U.S. citizen can be a part of the DAC because it's part of a team and we're just building software. Um, 
I, I think trying to, to navigate these waters is interesting. Just hearing all of the iterations of ideas, how to like uh, do things the right way. So there's been discussion of a KYC for all, all custodians. Um, that, that's one example. And then there's been examples of building DAX on DAX or, or separating DAX. And I, I think all of this is super interesting, but um, uh, what, what's the best advice you have for someone just now start like thinking about starting a DAC? Like what advice would you have for them to kind of get started? And this question could also be for Amon since you, you're very experienced just with EOS DAC. I, I don't know if you took part in, in, I guess, their genesis, but what advice do you have for someone just starting up and thinking about launching something in this way? I think, uh, to be frank, yeah, I, do, I was definitely not part of the Genesis team on uh, EOS DAC. Uh, I was just a custodian after the fact. Um, but I think what I learned is that DAC is uh, still an unproven model, but I am very bullish based on what I've seen with how EOS DAC has worked. And now I think, as I say, Vigor is a perfect example. Anybody who wants to come and see how DAC can operate, I think uh, we sh should join Vigor as a candidate and see himself. I have been through like, you know, this, I was surprised when I got into top 21 without doing much initially. So I've been pushed out, pushed out pretty quickly. That's a good sign that it is working. Uh, so I think I, that's a, I, mean, I got pushed course, out I, yesterday. All right. So I think that's a, uh, that's a pretty good sign of uh, like people are paying attention. It is not like uh, uh, anybody can like, just because uh, people like somebody in there, they are there. So it's, it's a good sign. Uh, mm -hmm. But overall, what I'm trying to highlight is that the work is being done. And as Andrew highlighted, I'm very impressed with uh, how this is done without any capital raise. And that is, it's not possible without a DAC. Like you cannot have working employees for you uh, without paying them anything. So it's a proven model here. So I would say if you really want to build an open source project, and if you are not looking for creating a corporation, it's a great model. But if you really want to keep the control, I'm sure I think... Uh, Andrew being like, you know, having this project as his baby, he also understands that building a DAC means that he can also lose control of it uh, one day. So that is, I think these are the kind of things one has to always keep in mind. So as an entrepreneur, you, you need to know what you're getting into when you're trying to get into DAC. And if you uh, really want to build something in open source, uh, definitely DAC is a great model. Awesome. So, so we're, we're coming up on an hour here. What's next for Blockstar? What has you excited? What are you working on that you're able to talk about? What can we expect to see out of IWAT or Blockstar? Yeah, I think so. So from Blockstar, um, we are all about decentralized applications. So whatever is needed, uh, we've worked with so many technologies. We are working with a lot of dApps. Unfortunately, as I keep saying, it's not easy to you know keep things uh, kind of secret, uh, but a lot of projects are in the works. We are definitely going to uh, start announcing more and more work, um, which we are doing and uh, projects. So we are very excited about EOS in general. Let me tell you, uh, with having said all the things around, you know, what is happening in the CPU side, governance side and so on, still it's uh, way ahead of any other chain. I cannot even see any of the business cases we are working on to be, uh, to launch on anything else other than EOS. Uh, we are, so watch out for those dApps, uh, watch out for, uh, uh, more work we are doing on liquid app side. Uh, again, as I said, layer two is uh, where most of the innovation is going to happen in next generation of uh, blockchain. So we uh, we are already, I think pretty much 50% uh, of our work is happening in liquid apps with new services with uh, actually bringing uh, dApps uh, to the to meeting point of like liquid accounts and 
VRAM and all these solutions, we are actually helping a lot of other apps uh, getting to that. So watch out for those things. And of course, uh, join us if you uh, contact me if you want to participate in uh, some of these ideas. Uh, as I said, it's very difficult for me, even from our investment side or any other side, because of the regulatory concerns, we cannot disclose everything uh, in a public forum. But uh, if you're interested, uh, do reach out uh, individually to me and we can uh, work with you. All right. How, how about you, Andrew? I can jump in here a little bit as well. But what what's next for, for Vigor? I, I see that the dev working group is having daily calls going on. So you guys must be in a pretty intense sprint right now. Yeah. But what, what's coming up on the roadmap that people could kind of look forward to? Yeah, we're, we're calling it MVP2, right? We want to deploy to the testnet uh, the next version of the minimum viable product. So it should have both features where, you know, so bigger stablecoin, you can lock up collateral and borrow stablecoin. But we've got this killer second feature where you can lock up like stablecoin to borrow, say, EOS tokens, right? So that's like a lending, like a, like a token lending thing. And so that's part of MVT, MVP2. And we expect that to be on, on Jungle or Kylan or both like real soon. Uh, then we wanna just do like a, a bunch of batteries of tests and iterations on that. Maybe have like MVP3, four or five, whatever over the next however long uh, before we roll it out to the main net and maybe a limited form where we would have like capital limits, you know, and maybe even like user limits and all that uh, to sort of battle test it live on mainnet. That would be the killer, the killer test. Um, I don't want to speak to real roadmap on that, but you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Ra Raleigh banging out the, the new design for the website. It looks amazing. All the redo of the branding uh, shout out to Raleigh Felton. Uh, on that one. Yeah. Really nice. It's going to uh, be a nice uh, showpiece for people's first touch point, uh, wanting to learn more about the project. Um, I, I was thinking during this call, I, I, I didn't want to interrupt anyone, but I was thinking of liquid accounts and some one of the plan plans for Vigor to be kind of multi-collateral portfolio. With, with uh, liquid accounts or layer two and, and like whatever layer two solution you want to do this with, um, you could actually have multi like chain collateral, like with, with, with a platform on EOS, you could technically collateralize in a V account, like Ethereum, for example, or Bitcoin or from, from any chain, really. I, I think that would be very interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah totally. And we're, yeah, we're talking to a couple other projects that are, that are doing things with, you know, cross chain whatever. I don't want to mention their names because I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> We're always yeah. talking to people. So the, end, the end of a podcast probably isn't the best time to drop some idea that I'd have to think, <laughs> think, think, think through here. Uh, so that's super exciting. Uh, anyone who wants to uh, find you guys, I, it's blockstart.one. Uh, wh which, which link do we want to give out for Vigor? There's, there's a couple different front ends. Why don't we give out the telegram? Is it yeah, telegram. t.me front slash Vigor, V-I-G-O-R, stablecoin, no spaces. Uh, that's the best, I, I guess, first point of contact. Yeah. Uh, Data Junkie will probably be there to say hello, I'm sure. Um, all right, so I guess if you guys made it this long, smash those likes, hit subscribe, subscribe to IWOD, uh, join, join uh, the Vigor channel. Um, I guess I'll see you guys on Friday with Rob. Peace. <laughs>